You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. Hey, all you cool cats and kittens. It's the Pimp Cron Warhammer Podcast. And I have lots of stuff to talk to you about tonight. We dive into what the pariahs for Necrons are. What are these things? Well, I will tell you if you will just shut up for five minutes and you will... Okay, you're still interrupting. I'll wait. No, 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 it's fine. I'll wait. You finish what you're saying. Okay. So, the Necron Pariahs, what are they in the lore? What were they in the game? And, uh, you know, what they could be if GW ever decides to release them again. Because in this recent Psychic Awakening, a lot of people, including myself, was anticipating a new Pariah being released. And I don't know that that's actually going to happen now. And I'm very upset. I needed the Pariahs in my life right now. And whatevs. But we will dive into exactly what they were for you that for those of you who don't know. And you know what? I had to look it up for myself because I used to play when pariahs were a thing and I did not remember at all the lore behind them. I just remember what they looked like. So it was interesting for me to figure out what the lore was. We also have a very short Tesseract mailbox. I won't reveal that until the segment is going on. And we also have a real talk with the Pimpcron where it is the top five free paper craft websites for terrain for Warhammer, Age of Sigmar, and 40k. And I love papercraft. So other than that, what have we been up to? Well, gee, I don't know. I've been working a lot on brutality. But you already knew I was gonna say that, didn't you? You knew. You're like, oh god, here comes the brutality again. Well, yes, I've been working on Brutality. It is now officially at 100 pages, and by the time it's all formatted, even if I stopped right now, it'd probably be 105 or so, but uh, we have now added, we have 11 regular missions in the book, and now we have five AI, which are solo slash co-op missions, and uh, that makes me happy. So I am currently playtesting them. I'm doing a battle report right now that will go on the Facebook page, uh, the Brutality Facebook page. And uh, that's exciting. So the latest mission is boss battle. And you've got this one nasty dude. And he relies on these three different nodes to make him awesome. And if you destroy the nodes, then he gets weaker. Think of like a, you know, traditional video game boss battle. And it's a lot of fun. So I have finished a couple turns in that. And he's no joke, but he is, you know, avoidable. He's a He's a big monster, so... Uh, if you spread out and you try to run around, but he will F you up. So got to be careful about that. I also have been painting lots of stuff. So in the last couple weeks, last two weeks, I've painted and rebased Tensorus Knights, painted and rebased uh, six or nine Croxagores. I have done 10 Commandos, the Orc Savage Boy Commandos. And... Um, what else? I just did a merchant for brutality, which is pretty cool. I found a model of I don't know. I think it's I think it's the tornado guy, red tornado or whatever from um I might be completely off base here, but it's a hero click. And essentially it's this guy with a cape and he's handcuffed and he's in this like sarcophagus and this guy is like, you know, slapping the hood going, "You can fit so many superheroes in the sarcophagus." And he's slapping the the hood of it. 
and the top of it's open so you can see the guy sticking out. And I, what I did is I made the salesman, I cut his head off, gave him clear wings, and gave him a bug's head, repainted him, and then cut off the red tornado or whoever the hell's name. It cut his head off and gave him a flaming head, like from Ghost Rider. It's not actually from Ghost Rider, but it's someone like him. And boy, does he look sad in that sarcophagus. And the reason behind this is one of, I mean, brutality by the name you assume is dark, but it's actually got a lot more, it's more than just gore and torture and stuff. It's very, very sad in a lot of ways, the whole backstory of it. And there is no infrastructure to speak of in the brutal realm. So these towns have nothing to, if they have the technology, they need energy or they need heat or electricity or whatever. Even if they do have devices that can use it, they have no power source. So what they do have in this realm is super-powered people or lava people or firemancers or whatever. So what merchants will do is kidnap and enslave these energy-producing people and then sell them to towns. And then the town will essentially put this fire dude in a boiler or something and produce steam and make energy out of it. And meanwhile, this person is just you know, fed or whatever to keep him alive, but otherwise he is contained in that boiler. And same thing goes for robots. They, a lot of times they'll take robots, tear them apart and hook them up to the, you know, machines of the town to power the whole town. And meanwhile, the robot is just tortured there with no arms, no legs, just sitting there, can't do anything. And they're using his power source. So once again, there's a bunch of those things. Once you get thinking about it, I'm like, ah, that's kind of dark, but the model is really cool. So I just did him. And I am starting my Beast Kingdoms um, warband for Brutality. And I have this Warthog lady with two pistols, dude. I just got her at Burke's Winter Blast in the charity raffle. And I instantly fell in love with her. I'm like, dude, I'm putting a bunch of tickets in her. Because, well, I mean, I mean, not, not in her, okay? She's a model. I mean, she's a miniature model. I'm not putting tickets in models, okay? In the raffle, I put tickets for this miniature, and she's just so cool looking. She's real stout and portly, and she's got the big tusks and the warthog face, and she's got two pistols, and she's got, like, armor on half of her, like, on one shoulder, kind of like the gladiators, and she's a really cool model. So I figured, you know what? I'm going to make her my very first Beast Kings model for my uh, warband, and it is fun. I think that is it as far as things that I have been painting and working on. And I think I will leave you with that. So y'all be good to each other. You wash your damn hands and uh, don't kiss strangers or anything. And we will get through this podcast together. Okay. Toodles. Let's open the Tesseract mailbox. Welcome to another edition of the Tesseract Mailbox with Old Pimpcron. And guess what? You guys, I don't have a single letter to read this week. And that makes Pimpcron sad. You guys, I know you have time on your hands. Alright? Guys and ladies, don't mean to be excluding anybody. But, uh, ladies, gentlemen, please write to Pimpcron at gmail.com or facebook.com slash Pimpcron. Or you know what? You could even call the phone number, which does still exist, much to maybe your surprise. Much to my surprise. I actually forgot about it. 
I did not forget about it. I just always forget the number. And then here I am recording, and I'm like, oh, shit, I, I forgot the number. So please write in about whatever you would like to write in with, because I need stuff to talk about in the Tesseract mailbox segment. All right, next segment. Now, here's an idea. Today, I wanted to discuss the idea of Necron Pariahs. When I first started in 5th edition 40k, Pariahs were an active model and a unit, and uh, it was kind of 50-50 on the actual look of the model, but I think they would be done a lot better now. And there's been a lot of talk that in Psychic Awakening, Pariah, we will be getting some Pariah models. Now, at this juncture, it does not look like we will be getting Pariah models, but damn it, GW got me all excited for Pariahs. Now, I never owned any pariahs at that time, but I wanted to discuss exactly what a pariah is, and a lot of people, I mean, if you haven't played in the last 10 years, you have no idea what the hell a pariah is, unless you played, like, Dawn of War, I think they were in that. And, uh, so let's, let's get into what pariahs actually are. They are a defunct unit of Necrons that are, their canonosity, I think would be the word. Whether or not they are still canon and they're still in the lore of 40k is kind of questionable. If you read any of the wiki pages, that's what they say. They're like, hey, it's not officially squatted, but it is also not officially canon because there's been no mention of pariahs uh, since 5th edition. Even 6th edition did not have pariahs. They got rid of them. I'm not certain why, because they weren't the worst models in the world, but they did get rid of them. So... What a Necron Pariah is, is an experimental cybernetic warrior crafted from a terrible symbiosis of Necron technology and human evolution, because guess what? This game was made and written by humans, and we are the golden boys for essentially everything. I don't know why. You should use Eldar or something. They're created from human victims that are abducted by the Necrons and bear the quote-unquote pariah gene that severs the bearer completely from the warp effectively making them both soulless and immune to the effects of all psychic abilities. These troops apparently did not meet the requirements or expectations of the Necrons who created them, as they are no longer normally fielded as part of a Necron army. Well, that's also because they're not in the Codex, Dingleberry. The role of pariahs in general, pariahs are also known as psychic blanks in the Imperium. They do not live long, as the feelings of unease and distaste they generate among others means they have few friends and many enemies. Pariahs are very rare in the galaxy since perhaps only one person on an entire world will carry the gene in every human generation. Pariahs are often used by the Inquisition and the Ordo Hereticus against witches and renegade psychers and the Sisters of Silence are wholly comprised of female pariahs, if you want to believe that. So Necron pariahs are human blanks that have undergone the ancient Necron biotransference process so that their sentience is now housed within a new cybernetic body forged from the living metal called Necrodermis by the Necrons. Their minds are soon enslaved to the will of the Necrons, much like the more common Necron warriors, as their new bodies drain their abilities to feel any emotion or pleasure. Now, the Eldar have hinted in the past that the pariah gene was deliberately engineered by the Necrons into the ancient primate population of Old Earth millions of Terran years ago, in the hopes of eventually creating a biological anti-psychic weapon. The resulting soulless individuals could then be used to defeat the old ones and their successors, psychically empowered species like the orcs or the Eldar. Certainly the pariahs have proved to be a potent weapon for the Necrons against the Imperium of Man, since they emerged from the hibernation of the Great Sleep, 
but they're kind of AWOL right now. Not sure why. The truth of this contention remains unknown to the Imperium savants at this time. Necron pariahs normally operate in squads composed of 4 to 10 of these monstrosities. Pariahs radiate a constant sense of palpable menace and horror to those around them, blotting out all psychic emanations and infusing those nearby with a sense of their own mortality. In this way, pariahs embody the ultimate horror of the Necron threat to the galaxy. However, the Necron pariahs possess one known weakness. They lack the powerful regenerative ability of true Necrons due to their human roots and still retain many of their fleshy, human, disgusting organs encased within their necrodermis shell. This makes them far more vulnerable to weapons fire than their immortal counterparts among the former Necron tier. Now, as far as war, war gear and abilities and things like that, they had an extreme detrimental effect to psychic powers and any psychers they came in contact with. They wielded these spear-like war scythes that were also outfitted with built-in gauss blasters. That made them extremely dangerous opponents, so they were hella good in close combat, and they were not anything to laugh at outside of close combat. They continuously radiate an unnatural aura as a result of their soullessness, that has, you know, I swear I've known a couple people like this, that has a terrible unnerving effect on their enemies, blah, 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 yes. Now, it's funny here, a notable Necron pariah, Thomas Maccabee. Prior to his transformation, Maccabee was an archaeologist professor and prominent Guavesa on the Tau world of Cronus. However, when his archaeological expedition to explore the Necron ruins on Cronus unknowingly opened the entrance to the Necron subterranean stasis tomb complex, the expedition awoke those ancient warriors. Most of the team died then and there, but Maccabee was taken by the Necrons and remained as Necron Pariah as he was found to bear the rare Pariah gene. Wow, nobody wanted to be around him anyway, so then just throw him in a metal body. In the ensuing campaign of extermination waged by the Necrons against the other factions on Cronus, Maccabee, now bereft of any will of his own, would act as an advisor and spokesman for the otherwise silent Necron Lord of Cronus. Isn't that interesting? So essentially, if you look at pictures of these pariahs, the models, they looked um, kind of like a Necron warrior. They had this really long staff that was a war scythe and a blaster, like I already said, but it gave them a interesting feel, kind of like how the Triarch Praetorians and the Lich Guard with war sides. They've got these big, long, essentially pole arms, and that's what these guys look like, but they had a built-in gun, which is kind of cool. I wonder if the Triarch design, because as soon as they cut the Pariahs out of the Necron list, the um, Triarch Praetorians and the Lich Guard and all that came out. So I'm curious if they just felt these guys were kind of bland and these new models make them redundant. Maybe that's why they cut them out. I don't know. But I always thought they were interesting, at least. I mean, I'm not super up on the whole, oh, they're humans in Necron bodies. I don't like when games or movies or TV makes humanity to be the special person, you know? Compared to all the other races, like, I think D&D &D and some RPGs handle humanity pretty well. You know, like, we are the charismatic ones or we are the ones that can do anything we're adaptable you know an orc generally is not going to be a wizard i mean you he can be but he generally won't be a dwarf is generally not going to be uh a ranger let's say you know an elf is usually not going to be a barbarian but humans can be any of those because humans are adaptive and i i kind of see that 
in Warhammer, but I don't like the fact that, oh, the Necrons, everything's centered around humans, we're so great, blah, blah, blah. So if they were still going to, you know, release pariahs as a new unit for Necrons, number one, there's a couple things I was interested in. I would love it for if it to be a two-unit box like they usually do, a twofer. Like the Immortals make also Death Marks, and um, the Triarch Praetorians also make Lich Guard and all that. It'd be really cool if you had a Pariah unit and then a, another unit of, I don't know, if you're going to go with the Pariah scheme, go with Outcasts or something. But it'd be cool if we had like a melee version and a shooty version or an anti-psychic version and then just a tanky version with two-up saves or something. You know, it'd be, it'd be cool. Um, now, they have not announced what is coming out for Necrons at the time of this recording, so... It could still be pariahs, but right now the pariah thing looks like it's going to be Harlequins and, you know, um, Sisters of Battle and, and whatever. But I think I saw an infographic where Necrons are the only people to not get anything yet. And, um, you know, they're like, there's this big checkmark grid of all the different symbols and Necrons were the only faction not to get anything. And I was super excited with the idea of Pariah for this. And I'm like, oh man, I can't wait. I, I hope Pariahs come out because I need a new Necron unit. I own every single Necron unit and I even own, own some Forge World stuff. And, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not one of those people that buys 7,000 points of an army and it's like, oh, here's my 16 squads of warriors. No, fuck that. I got two squads of warriors. You know, it's like, I don't, I don't do that. So it would be really nice if they did come out with a new model and, uh, that's just me wishlisting. Plus, Pariahs did have an interesting role, being anti-psychic. I mean, Necrons have no anti-psychic. I understand that they don't have any psychic, and that's fine if you don't want to do that for every army, but at least have an answer to psychic. And currently, Necrons are pretty darn weak in that capacity. So having a... Uh, I, I can't... Calexis Assassin? I forget, and it wasn't Calexis. Whoever the Assassin is that does the anti psychic abilities you know like the the null zone or whatever it'd be really cool if necrons had some sort of unit that did that and you know with smite and things like that being so powerful and the gray knights getting all of their updates and things like that it would be really really cool uh there's a part of me a sneaking suspicion that gw just used the word pariah and they had no idea they did not anticipate people being all excited for a new release of the Necron Pariah models. And now they're probably checking social media and they're like, oh, oh shit. Oh shit. No, no. We need, we need almost a year of lead time to make any models. And these people are expecting, it's basically like we're outside of their office and they got the door shut and we're banging, go give me Pariahs. And they're going, oh God, we, we don't have any Pariahs. What are we going to give them instead? Well, let's give us new Sisters of Battle model. Oh no, no, that's not it. We, we just dumped the case of that lady out in front and uh, they tore it apart, but they're not happy. They're really looking for Pariahs. Well, do we have any old metal pariahs? No, no, we've boiled all those down to make other stuff. Ugh. I feel like I am not going to get any new Necron pariah models. So, sorry guys. It's a bit of a downer, but at least you know what they were, right? And if you played Dawn of War, they were also in one of the Dawn of Wars. I don't recall. But, um, man, I can only imagine what their new model would look like, though. Because the old models were a bit goofy, but a lot of the old models were a bit goofy. So, what do you, what do you want? You know? Alright, next segment. 
Now it's time for Real Talk with Pentcron. Hey everybody, for today's Real Talk with the Pimpcron, I wanted to discuss and showcase a couple different websites that are great for free papercraft terrain. Now, some of you, the newer players I'm assuming, might ask exactly what papercraft terrain is. The older players will obviously know what it is. Basically what it is, is you get the templates, I'll say. The templates of pre-colorized, pre-painted um, it's kind of like origami, kind of like, have you ever ha- bought one of those books as a child that was like, here's a paper aircraft, a uh, paper airplane book, and it's got these pre-printed pages and they show you, you know, which ways to fold, there's fold lines and things like that. Well, essentially that's what paper craft is. And with a lot of people currently having a lot of time on their hands and maybe or maybe not be working right now and having some money, it would be a great idea to start printing off some terrain for papercraft uses and it's also quite a bit of fun to do as well i've always liked doing papercraft terrain and uh before i was ever into warhammer i made my own combat game squad based game with um green army men actually they were red blue and black i had three teams but anyway and i would play by myself and when i was i don't know if we were married or not but my wife used to help me she actually liked doing the paper craft stuff. So we would print out like this medieval building or this whatever, these walls, concrete walls and stone structures and whatnot. And she would help me assemble them. And it was a lot of fun. It was super cheap. It just takes some ink from your printer. And if you're doing a bunch of grayscale stuff, you don't even need to use the ink. Just use the black ink. And there's a couple different ways to do it. If you're a little fancier, you can go buy cardstock from like Walmart or Staples or somewhere like that. And it is very, very durable. I mean, as far as paper goes, you can't stand on it or anything. I mean, don't be dumb. (laughs) But but, um, it's it's a lot of fun. And it's got all these tabs. You know, you cut everything out and then you fold the little tabs and it's like glue tab A to spot A, tab B to spot B and all of that. But the nice thing is is that you have some really, really nice-looking terrain, you did not have to paint it, and it was super, super cheap. For the cost of a couple cents in cardstock or paper, you can have some really nice-looking terrain, and it takes a very short amount of time to actually make it, to assemble it. I still, out of nostalgia purposes, I still have some of my old buildings that uh, Cronet and I made. Gosh, like I said, I don't even know if we were married then or not. We might have just been dating. But, um... Anyway, it was it's it brings back good memories for me at least, and um, I don't use it so much anymore because I have so much damn Shorehammer terrain that we've had to buy over the years for Shorehammer that I am just up to the gills of terrain. So I don't really have to use papercraft anymore. But occasionally, if I'm doing like a narrative thing, I do have some papercraft buildings that um you know that still look nice and have they've kept up well. The thing with papercraft, obviously, is that it does not hold up well to transport. So if you play at your house then papercraft is totally fine. But if you normally go to like a game club every week and bring terrain, or you play at another friend's house and bring terrain, it is going to get banged up and squished and all of that. So it is by no means durable. The other way that you can do this besides cardstock, the poor man's version is what I used to do, is print it out on regular paper and then use stick glue Um, to glue it onto manila folders and then cut it out. And manila folders are actually even stronger than the 
cardstock, believe it or not. And I think it's cheaper. I mean, manila folders are pretty cheap. I don't know exactly what the difference in price would be between just buying cardstock and having manila folders and gluing the paper on them and then cutting them out. Not sure, but they are more durable that way. It's just a little more work. Anyway, this is one website. The first one I wanted to get into, the very first website, is CombatStorm.com. Now, this is a funny little thing because I don't recall if I made my Green Army Men game after seeing this or if I saw this afterwards, but I've known about this for probably 10 years or more. And it is called Combat Storm. It is a little game with um, a rule book you can buy and whatnot. And they sell... Well, actually, they don't sell. They want you to buy Green Army Men from the you know dollar store or whatever. And they want you to play a squad-based game called Combat Storm with it. And it's pretty, pretty cool to have your little Green Army Men you know, in, in squads and whatever. And there's different rules for the guy with the grenade or the guy with the... Uzi or the guy, whatever, you know, the flamethrower guy and all that, all those typical green army men things that you see. But combat storm has been used by me many, many times in the past because they have a free download papercraft side of the website. And it's not chock full of papercraft stuff, but the stuff they have is actually quite nice and it prints out really nice. And it really does not look bad for spending, let's say 50 cents in ink and paper it's pretty nice terrain. So as long as you don't plan to travel with it, it's pretty cool. So that's CombatStorm.com. And I'm looking here right now. They have a bunch of sandbag um, barricades that you can make. Some concrete barricades. Then what I really like is they've got a little car that's pretty much to scale. The 28mm scale. And there's also storage containers, which look really nice. That's probably one of my favorite things on their, their website. But finally, we also have some actual buildings. They've got a really tall three-story building. They've got a two-story building. They've got a more modern-looking two-story building. It's a hotel and embassy. And all of that... Actually, the hotel and embassy does cost something. That's that's my mistake. But the other ones don't. The two-story building, the three-story building, all of these are perfectly free. And um, they look nice. If you want some cheap buildings, dude, just go on here and print these off. It is CombatStorm.com. Let's go on to the next one. Next up is a legendary character in the Papercraft terrain world, and his name is Tommy Gun. I'm going to actually have to link to his uh, OneDrive account, but essentially he has a free list of a ton of different resources for Papercraft. Now, I don't see any of these dated past 2012, so it seems like he might have been out of it for a while, but I, uh, I have heard of him quite a bit. And maybe it's just because he uploaded all these in 2012. But essentially, he's got all these PDFs where you just print off and you follow the instructions and you fold these things up and they look awesome. Specifically, his blast barrier is a really nice looking fortress. And once again, you're not painting these or anything. You're printing them out, folding them up and gluing them together. It's great. The um, He's got several different types of huts. He has shanty buildings. He has um, like a medical center. He has different types of roofs. You can change the roofs on your stuff. And um, many, many different types of shanties. Then he's also got some brick buildings and some storefronts like Andy's Gunworks and things like that. And um, But the, the Blast Barrier specifically is a really, really good file because 
It even has like these little ramparts where your soldiers can get up on the rampart and shoot over the wall. You know, the, the wall looks to be about maybe three or four inches tall, but then it's got like this step in it so your people can get up there. And that is really, really cool. He also has a bunch of hex boxes, which are essentially storage containers, but they're not rectangular. They are a little more futuristic looking. He also has several different types of doors and things like that that you can print out and glue onto your buildings if you want to stylize them a little bit. Next up on his list of things that he offers is hex buildings. These hex buildings are very, very cool looking. It looks like they've got solar panels on one side of their roof. And it's kind of like, think of a... Uh, I don't know what dice this would be. I guess a d20. It's like half of a d20 where the bottom is flat. Obviously, it's a building, but the rest of it is like a 10-sided sphere on top or a 10-sided dome. And they've got little solar panels and things like that on them. And it's just, it's got a really cool look to it. Uh, I would not say Tau because I feel like Tau would be round, but it definitely has a futuristic look to it. He also has brick walls and uh, concrete walls and a bunch of different stuff. A ton of different doors. He's got computer consoles. He's got things that he calls Evil Air, which are a bunch of uh, computer consoles with like a picture of Saturn on them. And they've got button panels and all sorts of stuff. So not all of his stuff is giant, but the vast majority of his stuff is large. And, dude, you just print a couple of these things out, and you have a board. Like, that is the beauty of all of this. I'm going to have to put Tommy Gunn's link in the actual show notes. Matter of fact, I'll put links in all of them of the show notes. But Tommy Gunn specifically is, like, this really long address, so I can't just give you the address to it. But uh, let's see what's up next now. Imperious Wargaming, which is imperiouswargaming.wordpress.com, is a great great resource. They have a ton of stuff that is in 28 millimeter scale. And, um, actually in his pictures, he has guardsmen next to it. So they've got things such as arcade machines, soda machines, crates, cardboard, um, several different things with logos on them, things like that. They have little packs of cigarettes. They have magazines. They have pizza boxes with pizza in them. They've got, um, different crates and containers of things. In addition, they also have two-story buildings that are quite large, probably 10 inches by 10 inches is what I would say. They also come with the uh, stairs that go around them. They also have those really neat, I guess they would be called airport hangers. They are like a picture like an Quaker oatmeal can, you know, the big cylinder. Cut it in half long ways and then put it on the ground. It's like a flat bottom, but it's a dome, and it's made out of metal, and those look really cool. They even look... They print out as if they were corrugated metal, which is pretty awesome. He has also a ton of different huts and different roofs for them. A bunch of little, like, lean-tos and shanties, things like that. And um, the nice thing about this, once again, is that it's it's free. It's pretty darn cheap. And um, it doesn't cost much to make. And a lot of the little features help make narrative games so much better. If you're going to do, um, you know, different... uh, let's say, indoor scenes or something like that. It's all those tiny details that make your whole thing look so much better. Next up, we have another legend in the papercraft world is davesgames.net. So davesgames.net. This guy, I'm assuming named Dave, has a shit ton of stuff on his website. Now, I have to say that most of it is for sale, but it is so nice looking for papercraft. He does an amazing job with all sorts of stuff, but... 
there is actually a section of it for free downloads, and he only has four free models, but they're still free models for crying out loud. He has a cargo container, a cargo pod, and it looks very futuristic, and it's, um, a cargo container is normally rectangular and square. This is more of an octagonal shape, and it looks almost like a, um, it's called a cargo pod, kind of looks like an escape pod, but larger. And it'll be longer than any of your vehicles. It's longer than a Chimera, longer than a... Maybe it's a Land Raider length. It's it's pretty darn big. And he also has a free observatory with a big um, telescope and things like that. That's pretty cool. He also has a free little outhouse with... I still have this little outhouse to this day. It's... um. I say it's an outhouse, but it's not actually like a porta potty outhouse. It's more like a little shed outhouse. And I still have that model printed out from when my wife and I did... Uh, built that, like I said, over 10 years ago. And he also has a nice split-level two-story house, which is medieval-looking, and uh, that is also for free. But if you happen to want to spend some money, dude, this guy has so much. And currently, it's 70% off regular price. The Ruins Bundle Pack is what it says on the website. So they've got... um, And right on the first page of their website, you can say, see free models on the right. But uh, he has a ton of different um, sci-fi stuff and medieval stuff, obviously for sale, but it looks really cool. And a lot of these, even when you buy these packs, it'll come with several skins of the same thing. He also has accessories and vehicles and things like that. He also even has map tiles. So if you really wanted to, like for an RPG or something, you can print out sections of these map tiles. Now, you're getting into a bit of ink usage at that point, but he does offer them. And um, I haven't actually looked at his prices, but uh, 70% off. I mean, it can't be super, <laughs> super expensive. And uh, let's take a look. Let's just see how much one of these packs are. Okay, so when I click on these, I clicked on the Ruins and Wreckage pack. And it's a bundle. It's got a ton of different stuff. And the bundle itself is $5, okay? Five freaking it comes with three or four different types of ruins, and if you click through the rest of these different ruins, each building is usually about $5.495, and it's currently on sale. Now, I have no affiliation with this person at all. I've never even met this Dave person, so I'm not, like, saying go buy stuff or whatever, but... Dude, for five bucks, I mean, it's it's pretty damn cheap, and you will see that the detail on these looks really, really nice, and... Uh, I mean, it's just saving you tons of money. You could have an entire board, I guarantee you, you could have an entire board, four foot by six foot, and if you did a conjunction of the free models and some purchase models, you easily, for $20, could have an entire, and that includes the ink, that includes the paper, for $20, you could have an entire table full of terrain. And that's medieval, that's sci-fi, that's all sorts of stuff. Because he has both, and a lot of these websites will have, you know, sci-fi and medieval. So that is pretty awesome. Now, the next one is Wizards of the Coast, and I have a bunch of these from Yondu Year as well. Man, does this bring back memories. So, Wizards of the Coast has a part of their website called The Archive, and it's archive.wizards.com, and you'll have to find out where it is, but it's called Mapfolio 3D. Now, of course, this is medieval because this is Dungeons & Dragons. It's not sci-fi, but, you know, generally speaking, a lot of the medieval stuff also works in 40K. Now, this Mapfolio 3D, they used to offer it, and you can still find it online for 
a slightly pretty penny, but it's 28 millimeter scale because that's what Dungeons and Dragons also uses. And it's called Mapfolio 3D and what it came with. And I actually, believe it or not, I bought, I went online and bought the actual Mapfolio 3D. It was a big book full of all this cardstock pre-printed stuff. And you just had to cut it out and assemble it. And I still have an old tower that my wife and I made from over a decade ago. I have a, um, another little, like an inn and a couple other things. And it's just, once again, this is a nostalgic trip for me, but, um, I've always loved papercraft and stuff like that. So also when you can get stuff on the cheap, why not do it? But if you don't feel like buying it, they actually offer because they don't actively sell it. It's not, you can sell it, you know, buy it secondhand online, but they don't actively sell it on their website anymore. So believe it or not, in a stroke of charity, Wizards of the Coast scanned the whole thing. It was like, Hey, just print this off for free, bitches. And that's what they allow you to do. It is so cool. So there is a tower, and it's got a intact version and a ruined version. And you just download these, print them out, and assemble. There's a woodman's hut, intact and ruined. There's a rustic bridge. I forgot about the rustic bridge. I used to have this rustic bridge, but I guess it got crushed at some point. There's also a mausoleum. And a gothic graveyard that looks really cool. Plus you have the town tavern, which is what I still have. That is, I, I said it was an inn, but it's actually the town tavern. The town tavern, and you have a rural church, a three-story city wall, which I had, man, feet of that three-story city wall. And a long half-timbered building, a half-turret and wall, a timber hoarding, whatever the fuck that is. <laughs> cobblestone roads dirt roads wood textures and a gatehouse so it was really nice of them to put all this up there for free and um that's something that wizards doesn't always do is do things for free but they did so that is the conclusion to the top five free paper craft terrain sites that i have used in the past and I, uh, once again, I definitely encourage you, if you got a little time on your hands and maybe money is a little short, then definitely try paper crafting. It's fun to assemble. I mean, it's not even, it's not even a chore. It's far less work than clipping, assembling, priming, painting, basing buildings for 40k or Age of Sigmar. I highly suggest you do it. At least give it a try. You will be shocked at for 20, 25 bucks, you have an entire freaking table. You're just really paying your time and labor, but it's really not even that hard. They already come, you know, with tabs and everything to glue them. So just get yourself some scissors and some Elmer's glue. Um, occasionally, you might also want to use some tape just because it's quicker than Elmer's glue for the setup. And uh, get some manila folder and white paper or go be a fancy boy and buy yourself some cardstock and you will have a full table of terrain. Toodles! <laughs>